Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. Your host, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to part two of our discussion, in-depth analysis, piss take, delete as applicable, look at Le- Jeff Left Job. <laughs> Left Job and Sim Tales, The Long Halloween. I don't remember reading that version. <laughs> the two creators that you may not have heard of. I think they're from Norway. Of course. But I can't be sure. Jeff Loeb and Tim Sales, The Long Halloween. Once again, I could have just edited it and no one would have noticed. Yeah, it's all right, fair enough. I think you um, like the attention. I do, I love the attention. <laughs> Feather me with attention! Two Facebook profiles. God. <laughs> it's not my fault! Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that, didn't I? I forgot to mention that in the last episode. I do apologise. Um, if you are listening to this... And you were friends with us on Facebook under the Hey Kids Comics name. You can't do that anymore. Facebook just decided I couldn't be that anymore. Completely shut the account down. I couldn't get back into it. I had to make my wife an admin for the page. And then create myself a new account under my proper name. Yeah. Well, under the name that I use in everyday life. Not my real name. I don't tell anyone my real name. Wow. <laughs> Suddenly my entire life's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> uh, so, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen any messages recently, that's be the reason. So you can Facebook friend me under Andrew Leyla now. Michael is still on as Michael, because he never had a pseudonym. He was never afraid of people from his past cropping up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want students friending me. That's what my thing is. All of my loose ends are dead bodies in the sea. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> so the Hair Kids comics thing is still there, but it's now a page. So I used to have like 300, 400 friends and I've only got 150. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously I couldn't remember everyone that was a friend of the show. So if you still want to be a friend, feel free to friend us. If you don't, just friend the page. That's the same thing. And like the page. Yeah, like the page. If you don't want to actually listen to our daily life and see pictures of my family goofing off. Yeah. Which is fair enough. I, I could perfectly understand why you wouldn't want to see that. But that, that may explain if you thought we disappeared off of Facebook because a couple of people did email thinking that I'd I'd unfriended them because <laughs> they'd said something that I disagreed with had enough you packed it in yeah um, what it is I, it would take a great deal for somebody to say something that I unfriend them by and large because I'm quite tolerant aren't Ooh, I? that's interesting though how far can I push it I think I can see a fake profile <laughs> <laughs> how far can I push it before dad unfriends me <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so should we get on with the Galloway yeah it's long Halloween thing. Uh, we got a couple of emails. Again, it's always nice to have emails in the sack yeah, for yeah. us to, to pull out <laughs> in uh, in shows such as this when we do these little special episodes um, when Michael comes home from uni. I do like that we still get a few few emails. It's nice to get emails. Yeah. I, I still like getting when, when I'm when I'm bored at uni and I'm a bit bored of being surrounded by white walls. And... <laughs> yeah, we told you it's uni, yeah. but really. 
no, I'll have a Do look. you have that nice jacket that fastens at the back? They let me take it off sometimes. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have a word with them. I'm not allowed to whack my own ass yet, but... <laughs> Yeah, you were never any good at that. You know, she just smear it over the walls. Oh, dude, it hurts. <laughs> yes, that would explain a lot. Yeah. Most of the emails are Palace of Glittering Delights now. Like, I know, I know, that makes me upset. Because we've kind of... I usually, like, when I'm bored, I go through the Hey Kids ones just to see if anyone mentions me. Why would they do that? Oh, this guy disagreed with me. Right, on to the next <laughs> Well, speaking of guys that disagree with you... <laughs> Uh, our first email tonight, Stephen! Stephen Lacey's emailed it in. Hi, Stephen. Fantastic cast cohort. Mm-hmm. Speaking of your other not-so-good podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you cheeky get! I'm, I'm joking. Just because you're not on them. I'm sure the Fantastic Cast is a good podcast. That you never listen to. It's just not Hey Kids comic. No, it's not. That's I true. Have, but you, you've, you've been on it. I have been on it. Uh, that, you, you were on it once. That episode was exceptional. Ratings went through the roof. <laughs> Well, that time that you played Stephen Lacey. My, and that too, that was the second time. That was, you know what was great about that? At no point did you break character. Exactly. I was very impressed with your commitment to the role. My action figure sold out. <laughs> what action figure was this? Well, there was the obvious Michael Leyland one. <laughs> and then there was the Steve- What accessories does the Michael Leyland action figure come with? Oh, just a wide array of band t-shirts. Yeah, and a box of tissues. <laughs> That's your brother. <laughs> it's true. And then there was the Stephen Lacey variant. <laughs> what, what, what was you, but with a fantastic ass t-shirt? And a bit of a facial hair, yeah. <laughs> well, you've got the facial hair. That's just, it's not Stephen facial hair. It's not. No, it's your facial hair, which is quite blonde and fur and therefore crap. It is. A bit you get that off me. If I shave the beard, I do look a bit Mexican. <laughs> Not I, sure if you're going to have to cut that no, bit off. I, I think, but I'm not entirely sure that that's probably in somewhere racist. <laughs> somewhere in the world. Somebody somewhere has took offence to that. <laughs> probably not the Mexicans. I know. The Mexicans are probably sat there going, yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we do Stephen's email? I suppose we should. Okay, since it's there, be rude not to. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Leyland. Hi, Stephen. Excellent Infinite Crisis. Easily my favourite big comics crossover for two reasons. One, it was my first big DC crossover. Two, it wasn't I love Infinite Crisis so very much. I'd been reading the DC line regularly for up two years by this time, using Identity Crisis as my launch point from being a fan of Batman and Superman into being a fan of the DC Universe. The series really disappoints. The emotional beats land home for me. The violence is nasty but has a thematic point beyond shock value. The artwork is universally great, although the pencil splash pages at the end of the series stick out like a sore thumb. There were reasons delaying even further would have wrecked 52, but it's unsatisfying. Not as unsatisfying as your big This Changes Everything event being so delayed that your entire new line of comics has launched before the final issue has been penciled, but still, what could he be referring to, though? Don't possibly. I think it's a secret. I think it could be. I think it's it's a big secret that we can't spill the beans on. Otherwise there'd be a war. And we just we just don't want that, do we? Not sure if you're joking or being serious. <laughs> I'd be honest. totally serious. <laughs> and I'm also joking. Which is the way it works, isn't it? You identify a big failing of the series now that is divorced from the current comics of 2005-2006. There are lots of little things that go unexplained. It's not as bad as, say, Fear itself, which spends far too much time introducing plots before having a house ad telling you to follow that plot in a spin-off title. Really, was anyone going to buy Hulk vs. Dracula? Yeah. That does actually sound like a good idea. I've never read Fear itself. Mm. But I am tempted to read Hulk vs. Dracula. 
Uh, but as this is my era of DC Comics, I thought I'd take a moment and fansplain the infinite. Number one, the Ted and Barbara relationship was developed in Birds of Prey by Chuck Dixon and Gail Simone, where Ted Cord became a valued supporting character. Ted's crush was never seriously returned, but he made a good addition to the book in those years. Number two, where did all the kryptonite come from? Oh, somebody Facebooked me about this one, and I should have known this one. Kryptonite has become more prolific since that first lump in 1987. The biggest increase in the amount and variety of kryptonite on Earth came with the arrival of Supergirl in Superman Batman number one onwards, where a ship arrived encased in a giant lump of kryptonite. When Captain Atom blew up the kryptonite with the giant mecha Superman Batman hybrid rocket thing, some of the shards turned into gold, red, etc. I should have remembered that. And Chris Warden and Michael Bailey and I think Chris Franklin and a couple of other people all Facebooked me and said, you're a f- idiot. <laughs> Why did you not know this? And I just had to go, Mia Culpa, Robert Culp, I didn't know. I'd oh, forgotten. The podcasting community really is brutal for mistakes, aren't they? You're all totally unforgiving. The, the Superman fan bases. <laughs> the Superman fan base will not forgive. <laughs> They're not quite as bad as the Batman fan base, it has to be said. The Batman fan base just tolerate no crap. <laughs> the Batman fan base are like Batman themselves. Yeah. Number three, the JLA Watchtower blew up at the conclusion of Crisis of Conscience in JLA, which led directly into Infinite Crisis 1. I was honestly very surprised to hear this story wasn't included in the omnibus, as it was co-written by Jeff Johns. It was. Was it? Yes. Did I just forget to mention that in one? In the show, I think I'd said it came before, but we couldn't be asked flicking through the omnibus. All right, so, so there you go, Steve. It is in the omnibus. Yeah. So it is still worth tracking down. Although... Who was it on Facebook? Was it Robert who Facebooked me that that is now retailing for something like 250 to 300 quid on eBay? Yeah. The Infinite Crisis Omnibus. Uh, I think it may have been Robert. See, I might be tempted to sell it for that money, but ultimately I bought it to read and not to sell. And ultimately you'd end up regretting it. Yeah. Because it's a pretty damn good omnibus. If it's one. going for that much, it must be... Uh... Well, Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, is, is I've seen that sell for 700 quid. Yeah. Number one's back in print, mm. so number one's not worth jack, even though mine is signed by Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. But number two, I should have got him signed number two, because I sold it for a grand. That's true, yeah. But I wouldn't <laughs> have sold it if he'd have signed it, so yeah. you can't really win, though, can you? Number four, fear and loathing in the DC universe. The general populace are distrustful of superheroes because of Brother Eye, leaking the footage of Wonder Woman snapping Max Lord's neck. This was heavily played on in Greg Rucker's final few issues of Wonder Woman. Talking of which, number five, Wonder Woman and mythology. The big push into WW and classical mythology came from Greg Rucker's three years on the book. Highly underrated and not reprinted since the original collections. I really hope this returns to trade when the Wonder Woman film comes out. To be honest, I wouldn't all be that scared of Wonder Woman if I saw what she did to Maxwell Lord on TV. Mm. Ultimately, she's a warrior princess. Mm. Are we to believe that warriors don't kill people? Are we to believe that Captain America was firing mercy bullets? He didn't use a gun, but it's implied in Brubaker's run that he definitely did kill people. We see him shoot people in the Avengers movies. We do, that's very true. So, So to say that, oh, I'm scared of a warrior killing someone... Is Did Xena ever kill anyone? Because oh. she was a warrior princess. No, I don't know. I don't remember. Wasn't that daytime TV, though? Could you kill people? No, it was, it was syndicated TV, so it could be on anywhere. Bruce Campbell's in it. Is it? Yeah. Ash, Ash vs. Evil Dead, brilliant. Did he chew it with a chainsaw? He did not chew it with a chainsaw. Dead he does in Ash vs. Evil Dead. 
Number six, Alex Ross and Jeff Johns collaborated for, collaborated for the Thy Kingdom Come story that went on way too long in JSA. This came after Infinite Crisis, and Ross has said that it's not a sequel, but a story playing with the characters and themes set in the DC Universe. Number seven, Christmas Allen's murder at the hands of Jim Corrigan was the inciting incident for the final arc of Gotham Central, which wrapped up the same month as Infinite Crisis 4. His death had nothing to do with Infinite Crisis other than the timing. He was shot by Corrigan for reasons that I don't recall. And despite Gotham Central selling low numbers at the end, his death was a well-known event. It was. It was Gotham Central. And I love Gotham Central, so I should have remembered that. But I have only read it once. Yeah. When it came out. A long time ago. Number eight, Nightwing versus Superguy. I had no idea Nightwing was supposed to die until years later. And for many reasons, I think this would have been a bad idea. Mostly, though, Superboy dying works in the story. It's the thematic end for the Superboy Prime story. It's damned emotional. I cried the first time. If you read the Teen Titans annual that comes out in the middle of Infinite Crisis, which focuses on Connor and Cassie in Smallville, in the run-up to the attack of IC4, it heightens the emotions as Cassie brings Connor out of his self-imposed isolation, culminating in their having sex for the first time. In a Teen Titans comic? Although Nightwing was shagging Starfighter, wasn't it? That's true. So, yeah, okay, fair enough. I presume that the entire issue doesn't actually focus on that. Yeah. The first pornographic DC comic. That might have been the last double page spread. (laughs) There's also a fun issue featuring Superboy and Nightwing launching an attack on Luther's Tower, but I can't remember what title this was in. Finally, I have to quibble with your definition of an ending. Infinite Crisis ends. It wraps up the plot and themes. It sets up further stories in the closing pages, which is not the same as not having an ending. I don't see that there's any difference between this and Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man or The Collector at the end of Thor 2. Or to be more general, should a Batman story that concludes with the Joker in prison be considered unfinished because the past panel shows him planning to break out again? Well, see, you're on a little bit of shaky ground there. Infinite Crisis ends. Okay, we agree on that. Yeah. But I think... Crisis ends. Yeah, but I do think there is very definite let's go forward and you must read what's coming you after. See, with Iron Man, Iron Man ends and, and then, then there's a subplot that runs throughout the other stuff. Infinite Crisis, the crisis ends, but there, every single character has a subplot that leads into something else. Yeah. Like, so the Infinite Crisis ends. Had that story maybe ended with the death of Luther in the alleyway, yeah. then that would have been an ending. If Infinite Crisis ends, then there would be no 52. Yeah. Or one year later. It just felt like me there was a little bit too many loose ends to be picked up one year later for it to be truly called a satisfactory ending. Yeah, like if but it ended. Yeah, I'll give yeah. you that. But... It's the it ended with setups for other stories. Yeah. If it had a definitive ending, those setups would right. be in the beginning. It's of the, next the difference between the Force Awakens and the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. The Force Awakens is it's a complete story, but there's very definitely loose ends to be picked up in the next sequel. The Force Awakens isn't a complete story. Okay. So you don't think it is at all, do you? <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> but Empire anyway ends. Yeah. Even with that big dangling cliffhanger, but it ends. Alright, fair enough. Quibble aside, I really enjoyed these episodes and will be pulling my Crisis collection out of the long boxes for reread. Have a fantastic ass day, Steve. Fantastic to see what he did. I did. That was very clever. I think, hey, kids, you should have a comic (laughs) there. And you should go and fa- <laughs> <laughs> you should go and listen to Fantastic Ask because Stephen and I are well past Lee and Kirby now, hey. and we're rapidly approaching George Perez, yes, and Rich Buckler. Okay, brilliant stuff.
What, you, what you happened know, to you not staying on past Kirby? We kind of thought, well, we may as well carry on. Fair enough. Uh, we've got another email to look at before we move on. This is from Bobby Coakley. Infinite Crisis Psycho Pirate Mark Wade Square Pegs. Hey Leyland, hey Bobby. I liked your two-part look at Infinite Crisis, but there were a few things you missed, <laughs> and you thought Batman fans yes, were. That's bad. a more polite way of saying you were wrong. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, but at least he's polite about it. That's, that's the best we can ask for, isn't it? Really, you don't want somebody obnoxious. And you're wrong. That's that's true. Number one, the Psycho Pirate did not emotionally manipulate Wonder Woman and Batman. Power Girl accuses Luther of having the Psycho Pirate influence Wonder Woman and Batman, but he responds, "They did that to themselves, Kara." I don't know. My reading of that boot was that the Psycho Pirate was very definitely making Batman a little bit more paranoid. Hmm. I'm not disputing that following the events of the Identity Crisis, Batman may have gone down that path anyway. Yeah. But I do think the Psycho... The the story, to me, implied that Psycho Pirate was pushing him in that direction. A little helping hand. Yeah, and some characters needed more of a push than others. Superboy Prime. But that was my take on it. Did was Wonder Woman not under the influence of Psycho Pirate when she snapped Max Lord's neck? Um, I don't know, from what I remember, it was either it was the end of Man of Steel. It was either that or let him carry on messing. Right, so up. she may not have been under the influence of Psycho Pirate then. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll we'll agree to disagree on Wonder Woman. But Batman, I think he was definitely pushed in that direction. Although the events of Identity Crisis probably helped. Yeah. Push him more than anything else. Number two, Alex Luthor says Kyle Rayner and Helena Bertinelli would have been heroes of Earth 8 had the crisis never happened. This might have been meta commentary on Kyle and Helena's problems in the DC universe. They are the square pegs the universe can't quite fit. Number three, Mark Wade could be responsible for Wonder Woman and Batman's personalities leading into the Infinite Crisis. Batman being paranoid about the Justice League going bad was first done in Wade's Tower of Babel story in JLA. Also, Wade's Kingdom Come turned Wonder Woman into Fighty McFighterson, which continued into mainstream DC. Of course, Batman hating other Subarus for no real reason could be a stupid old episode. Number four, to some, Infinite Crisis was a response to DC fans who didn't like Identity Crisis. Only it is the villains who don't like all the deaths and mind-wiping. Also, Superboy Prime saying he will do bad things no one will ever know about could be a response to heroes secretly do bad things for good reasons that Identity Crisis covered. Number five, a parody of Infinite Crisis had a line regarding the Amazons looking like bad guys for fighting the Omax. Just because we love peace, that makes us hypocrites if we defend ourselves. That could tie into politics at the time and today, and the right way for a country to act in self-defence. I'm not sure. Keep up the good work, Bobby Coakley. Well, we'll endeavour to do just that. Thank you both for emailing in. Much appreciated. We're going to plug a show, and we'll be right back. In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire and Water Podcast Network happening this year. What do you think, Rob? That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show, and I want to be sure to plug my movie show, The Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo. I'll mention how the Secret Origins Podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network, and then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, The Black Canary and Zatanna Podcast. Sound good to you, Chris? Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife, Geekcast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. 
What about you, Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, Ohatmu. Shag, you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC heroes role-playing podcast? Sure, why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, Wahaha podcast. Now, Here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait network. a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire and Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. I kind of think it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first. So we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben voyons donc. You have what? got uh, what? to be the Enough! Stop it. You're like boys with toys. Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account, and Facebook page. And folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See? Now, was that so hard? Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fireandwaterpodcast.com. Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you? Chapter 8, Mother's Day. The cover has young Bruce Wayne lay down a wreath on his mother's grave. It's lovely. It's very lovely cover, Tim said. Oh, I suppose we should say, if you didn't listen to part 1, this, this episode's going to make no sense. suppose, but why would you be listening to part 2 without listening Why would you listen to part 2 of the long Halloween and not listen to part 1? Yeah, okay, fair enough, yeah. That does seem a bit silly. Uh, at Arkham Asylum, the Batman confronts Calendar Man, who drops some subtle clues about Holiday's true identity. Alright, I say subtle. The Batman actually comes across as a bit thick, with Calendar Man seeming far smarter than either he or the Riddler. Suddenly, a guard bursts in, terrified. There's been an escape at level 4 of the Scarecrow, and you can pretty much kiss goodbye to this issue, making any more references to the actual ongoing storyline. Batman legs it to the cells on that level, but Scarecrow has made his escape. The other guards say Scarecrow's mother came to see him, but Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. Scarecrow, strangled his mother years ago, on Mother's Day, appropriately enough. The Batman deduces that Scarecrow did not escape alone. Somebody else brought him the straw. The Batman pursues Scarecrow and tackles him, but as Batman touches him, he learns that this is a straw man. There are toxins in the straw, and Batman passes out. At Wayne Manor, there's yet more repetition of the scene where Gordon tries to speak to Bruce, but Bruce isn't in. Sophia Falcone learns the name and address of the man that is making all those 22 pistols. Holiday keeps lying around. She arrives there once again too late. Holiday has killed him and left a Mother's Day bouquet. Bruce Wayne is now in Crime Alley, the place where his parents were killed, and as we all know, there is no hope in Crime Alley. Gordon has tracked him here, which is neat, as Alfred can't have told him about this, because as far as Alfred is concerned, Bruce is at Arkham Asylum. Under Scarecrow's influence, Bruce fears the man with the gun in the alleyway and flees. He easily escapes and heads to the cemetery where his parents are buried. Once there, he falls to the floor in front of his mother's grave, weeping, unaware that masked men with guns are closing in on him. Uh, We're flagging a bit here, aren't we? Let's be honest. Uh, having the calendar man interested in holidays a nice touch, given that essentially, you know, holidays corrupted his shtick, mm. which we made reference to in the last episode. He would have more interest in this than the Joker would. Yeah. Because that's what calendar man used to do. He also keeps throwing out this idea that holidays are woman. 
Because yeah. all the clues are clearly pointing to Harvey Dent or the sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Unless he's just mad. Oh, there's a very definite Hannibal Lecter vibe yeah. going on with Calendar Man and the Julian Day. Or oh, oh, maybe, uh, maybe Jeff Loeb always always plans to have that completely bull <laughs> twist ending. <laughs> I think that's entirely possible, <laughs> but not very likely. The opening splash page makes Calendar Man look very much like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now, which you know could be another Godfather reference. Brando. Uh, there's Calendar Man. He's a rather silly villain. Yeah. The Calendar Man uh, commits crimes on specific days. He was fairly typical of the kind of villain Batman fought in the 70s and 80s, although I always thought he'd been better suited to the Flash mm. than to Batman. Loeb changes him slightly. He makes him into being um, a very intelligent figure who seems to be much more aware yeah. of what's going on he's than he's actually letting on. definite role in this. Yes. He serves more of a purpose than some of the other random villains that show up. Yeah. Scarecrow! <laughs> in this variation. Yeah. Sorry, I got something in my throat. <laughs> Don't know what that was. Uh, Batman seems to be leaning in the direction of believing Harvey is Holiday because he's actually questioning Calendar Man about that very thing. Mm. So finally he's coming around. And somebody somewhere knows that this Scarecrow material is padding because there are three two-page spreads in the first half of this book. Yeah. Uh, good editing transition between the lights searching for the Scarecrow and the police lights in front of Wayne Manor. Uh, I wasn't entirely sure why there were police lights in front of Wayne Manor. The last I checked, they weren't actually arresting Bruce because, and I know this is a minor point, (laughs) they've got nothing on him! Yeah. And haven't even spoke to him yet. So they can't arrest him. So why are the police here? Announced with all the and what the date are we at now? What, when when's this one taking place? This one's Mother's Day. Yeah. Okay. But just keep that in mind. Uh, Sophia Falcone is not to be messed with. She's quite happy to drop people off bridges. Funny that. It is. Now will you let me go? Okay. <laughs> just drops him. <laughs> that is a funny beat. Yeah. It's a very funny moment. I like that a lot. Uh, the Park Row Street sign has Crime Alley painted over it. Which is a lovely callback to There Is No Hope in Crime Alley. Classic Batman story from the 70s, which we've covered. And also The Player on the Other Side. One of the single best, most underrated Batman stories ever printed from 1984. Bruce is again put under the influence of mind-altering drugs. As he was in the Poison Ivy story. Mainly, I suspect, to slow this story down so it can last 13 issues. Yeah, he really does need to go to rehab at the end of this. Well, didn't Grant Morrison play around with that a lot in his run? The, the, the guy's been exposed to an awful lot of mind-altering drugs. Yeah. At some point, he's going to snap. And did. And twice in this story. Yeah. He's, he's been a bit affected by Alice, so, okay. Um, I've got a question for you. Where are the Waynes buried? And the buried on the Wayne grounds. Yes, I thought that as well. And in this same story, yeah. at the end of the run, Bruce will go to the graves in the Wayne grounds. Mm. Why then are they in a cemetery in this issue? Has he got graves all over the all over the city, okay. so he can just go and visit his parents whenever he wants? I suppose, yeah. <laughs> He's rich enough to afford that, I suppose, but. Um, 
you know, get your own internal consistency right, eh? You know. Unless, I mean, they kind of look like that Wayne Manor there in the distance. Yeah, well, but it's a cemetery. I know. He'll meet you at the cemetery gates. Keats and Yeats are on his side, but you lose. I mean, it's not as though the grounds could lead into the cemetery. I mean, it, that is entirely is, possible that the cemetery is right next door to Wayne is, Manor. Is Wayne Manor still on a on a cliff at this point? It's on a cave. Yeah. So you can't have a cemetery there, then. Yeah. Because you couldn't bury the bodies. Yeah. Because it's over a big cave. That's true. But even if it was consistent in this ish, this story, which it isn't, they can't make the mind up in regular Batman comics, can they? The la- last I knew it was the Manor Grounds, because Damien's also... Be- well, Damien was buried, though. Before he got better. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, nice ending. Sweaty and delirious Bruce at his mother's grave, as he is unknowingly stalked by mass men in helicopters. I don't see how he can be unknowingly stalked by a helicopter, but... <laughs> Maybe his drug-addled mind is preventing him from acknowledging it. It's a giant bat. That's true, yeah. Maybe in his drug haze he's not seeing a helicopter. I'll go with that. Mm. That's actually a good no price. We seem to have taken a long time to get to the point where the police still want to question Bruce. Yeah. And he hasn't been forthcoming. Mother's Day is in May in the United States, which is different to us. Yeah. A fact that your mum exploits mercilessly (laughs) if we happen to go over that in May. It means it's been five months before the police have finally gotten to speak to Bruce. That's terrible police work. It is, yeah. Five months in an ongoing murder investigation just to speak to somebody, but not just anybody, who you don't have any evidence against, but one of Gotham's most prominent citizens. Yeah. At the very least, I'm sure Bruce could have sent his lawyer to deal with all of this five months ago. Hmm. Anyway, the Scarecrow stuff is blatant padding. It also seems Sophia Falcone is making more headway in the investigation as to who Holiday is than either Batman or Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Catwoman definitely is. Once again, Batman's not portrayed as being particularly bright in this story, is he? He's he's not. He kind of just punches things and looks cool. <laughs> and then goes, hmm, evidence? No, I don't believe it. I believe in Harvey Dent. <laughs> Yeah, it is. We've got this little bit of a clue that maybe Harvey's bit... Der- I do not believe this. <laughs> I do not accept it. But you, you may want to look at the ev- evidence. No. <laughs> you say evidence. I say... I fabrication. say fab- yeah. <laughs> Chapter 9, Father's Day. Batman visits his father's grave on the cover, which is the flip side of last issue's cover. Yeah. Where baby Bruce visits his mother's grave. Mm. So, again, it's lovely. You know, not much more to say. From behind bars, Bruce remembers why Falcone respects Thomas Wayne. Long ago, when Bruce was a wee lad, Vincent Falcone arrived at the doors of Wayne Manor with his son bleeding out in his arms. Thomas saved the life of young Carmine Falcone, the man who is now the Roman Gotham's untouchable crime lord. In court, Alfred testifies that Dr. Wayne never reported the crime, a crime that would have seen Moroni brought to justice for his crimes. Alfred replies that maybe Dr. Wayne did report it, but Gotham was rife with corruption in those days. Alfred looks dent right in the eyes. He says, maybe it's not all that different now. Gordon recoils at that. Needless to say, Bruce is acquitted of any involvement with the Roman Falcone. 
Meanwhile, Sal Maroni visits his papa, Luigi Maroni, the man who nearly killed Falcone's son. Sal is upset all his men are dead. Just as his father tells him to man up, he too joins the quiet invisible, courtesy of Holiday. She leaves him a tie. Happy Father's Day, Sal. Sophia Falcone and James Gordon Jr. both get their daddies a tie. How sweet. Catwoman is watching the Falcones like a hawk. Harvey Dent isn't taking Bruce's acquittal well. He sits in a darkened basement, tossing a coin, watching it land heads or tails over and over. He went to see his own daddy, still mad as a hatter. Speaking of hatters, Jervis Tetch, the Mad Hatter, has also escaped Arkham and has teamed up with the Scarecrow. This was all arranged by Falcone, who seems to have gotten a taste for working with the supervillain fraternity. He tells them it's time they hit their objective, the Gotham City Bank Depository. Dent is summoned to his office by Vernon. Maroney waits in Dent's office, still clutching his dead father's tie and covered with his father's blood. Maroney offers Dent a deal. Uh, given that it took five months for Commissioner Gordon and Harvey Dent to even question Bruce, we seem to have jumped very, very quickly to Bruce being on trial for something that his dad did. Yeah. Isn't there some law that you can't be tried for the sins of your father? Has that law never got to Gotham? Probably, probably yeah. Yeah, alright. Fair enough. Um, Bruce, I, I would fire my lawyers if I was Bruce Wayne. This yeah. shouldn't have got anywhere near a courtroom. Is anywhere it, near a courtroom. Is it a crime to what Thomas did? Well, technically it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a crime. A guy shows up at your door bleeding, it's a gunshot, you have to report a gunshot yeah. wound. Thomas saved his life, so alright, yeah. But, again, what's that got to do with Bruce? Yeah. Bruce was, what, six? Yeah. Did you... Matt Murdock would have gotten this tossed out of court before it even went to trial. Bruce needs to hire Nelson and Murdock. Yeah. That's what Bruce Wayne needs to do. That would have been a crossover. That would have been a brilliant crossover. Apparently, allegedly. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's possibly apocryphal story. Brian Bendis once um, pitched a Daredevil Batman crossover. Okay. And allegedly... DC turned it down saying we don't want 48 pages of Batman and Bruce Wayne just talking in the cave. <laughs> Daredevil and Bruce Wayne, sorry, not Batman and Bruce. That would be a crossover. I was going to say. Batman and Bruce Wayne having a conversation. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, as long as Bendis doesn't write it, then yeah. <laughs> it's a good pitch, Brian. We'll, we'll give it to Chuck Dixon. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some action then. <laughs> um, how did Holiday get this close to Luigi Moroni in his own grounds to shoot him dead? In front of his son, obviously, um, as as a as a small female. <laughs> well, no, this Alberto there. Oh yes, yeah, so this it is. is clearly Alberto at this point. And that makes even less sense then, because hey, yeah. Luke, it's the dead son of our opposition. No, well, him killing the Maronis does make sense. Yes, it does, but getting into the ground... Oh, that makes no sense at all. So no security guards going, hey, up. No. Even as a dead man, isn't that the son of the guy <laughs> we're against? Well, irrespective of all of that, isn't that a bloke with a gun <laughs> on our grounds? Who <laughs> is it irrelevant? That's, that's true, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd be firing the security guards as well as the lawyers in this story. Uh, everybody gets to, to ties to buy. Everyone buys ties for the fathers for Father's Day. I don't wear ties. What would you do? I, I don't know. You'd be out a lot. I, I wouldn't. You? I wouldn't get you. I'd probably get you something that I wanted. 
a book that you wanted. That's that's how you buy me birthday and Christmas presents, and don't lie, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but nine times out of ten, it, it is something you want as well. Yeah, that's true. It's just coincidence that I want it. I mean, now you've left. I don't get out of them anymore. That's, that's true. You know, I was going to read one of your books and bloody took it with you, cheeky cat. I do you take your own stuff with you. Uh, Harvey goes into a huge big strop after Bruce is acquitted. It didn't actually come as a surprise that Bruce would be acquitted, because as we pointed out, Dent had absolutely no evidence. Yeah. And as a DA, you'd think he'd be aware of this. Everyone in this story is thick. Are we getting that he's cracking up yet? Yes. Yes, he's very definitely cracking up now. He's sitting in the basement in the dark, tossing a coin. Yeah. And he went and seen his own dad, who is... uh, That has also been in another story. His dad. Right. And I'm trying to remember which one it was. It may very well have been that Andy Helfer Batman Annual number 14 I mentioned last week. So that that's possible. Um, there's a huge logic problem with Bruce getting to trial on this, and it definitely wouldn't be that quick by any stretch of the imagination. It took five months for the police to even talk to him, yet one month to get him on the stand? Yeah. No, I, I do not buy that at all, especially when there is no evidence that Bruce even has a relationship with Falcone, other than that he was at his something wedding. Yeah. Loads of people are probably at that wedding. Yeah, why, why wasn't was, why wasn't Dent put on uh, yeah. on trial? Yeah, for snooping around in, <laughs> yeah. in car parks. Yeah, why why did Falcone not have him arrested for that? That's um, trespassing. Yeah, that's suspicious behaviour at a wedding. Mm. So Harvey Dent is more guilty than of, Bruce Wayne is. Than Bruce Wayne is. But irrespective of all that, Thomas Wayne may have had a relationship with the Falcones, but that's not on Bruce. Is it that they had a relationship, or is it more the Falcones knew of a really good doctor? Yeah, so it's, it's not really a relationship so much. The thing they're trying to pin on Bruce here is that his dad didn't report this crime. And yeah. had he reported this crime, they could have arrested Sal Maroney years ago mm. for shooting um, Falcone's son. Which, you know, alright, I, I can buy that. later on as well where he says, Oh, I knew your father, help me if you have any yeah. favour. Yeah, so that, I can buy all of that, but ultimately that's got nothing to do with Bruce. Yeah. On the one hand, it's a story about fathers and sons. Now, the sins of the father are passed on to the son. On that level, this works very well, even when the metaphor is stretched to Sophia Falcone and her dad. But in a court of law... Loeb is at his best when hitting the emotional beats, and these moments are far more effective for the story. Bruce's love for Thomas, Sal's love for Luigi, which I can't take seriously after that funny game... Uh, Vincent saving Carmine. This has a nice subtext running through it. Batman doesn't even appear. Maybe if Batman was needed, but Bruce was in mm. in the court, at least then there's some kind of there would have been drama. some action yeah. and drama. Yeah. Um, as a chapter in an overall story like this, it doesn't really matter that Batman isn't in one chapter. I suppose. Yes. Yeah. You know, the overall arc as it works is is still okay. Uh, it's still a murder mystery. At its heart, though. Mm. It's a crime noir murder mystery. And the murder mystery stuff isn't up to much when all the clues point to the one man we know that it can't be. Yeah. It's not going to be Harvey Dent, which is still where it's all pointing to, isn't it? But it definitely... Yeah. It definitely is Harvey Dent until the last... Until the reveal. I kind of buy the Alberto bits now. Yeah, but up until the reveal, it's Harvey Dent. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think it was probably supposed to be Harvey Dent. I don't know. Independence Day is Chapter 10, for those keeping scope. The cover is fireworks going off as Batman and Catwoman silhouette leap in the foreground. A lesser cover. 
Because mm. it really does look like for the, the fireworks he's just copied and pasted. He probably banged that out in two minutes. Yeah. And got paid a lot of money for it. Independence Day, July 4th, the coroner is shot dead on the docks. At the manor, Bruce is romancing Selina Kyle until the bat signal interrupts. Before he leaves, Selina asks what it would take to get into ditch Gotham City forever. The Batman confronts Harvey Dent. Dent tells Batman Maroney has agreed to testify. Once he does that, it'll all be over. Maybe at last, Dent can leave town for a while. Not yet, though, as Gordon tells both men about the coroner's death. Gilda Dent and Barbara Gordon also discuss leaving Gotham. How long can they stay, wonders Gilda, before it corrupts everything. At the docks, Batman and Gordon survey the crime scene. Why the coroner, wonders Batman. So far, the murders have all been related to the Falcones. Were, at the time of death, was Harvey Dent. Before that question can be answered, fireworks go off all over the city. It's a little late for that, something that makes the Batman suspicious. He disappears. At the Gotham City Bank Depository, the Hatter and Scarecrow strike. They take the money inside, but as they leave, the Batman strikes. Aided by Catwoman, he stops the duo and Catwoman approaches. Up close, she asks Batman what it would take to get him to leave Gotham City. And if Bruce hasn't figured out that Catwoman's Selina Kyle after that, yeah. he's not really the world's greatest detective. It's entirely possible that in this story he's not the world's greatest detective yet. In fact, no, I take that back. He's not the world's greatest detective yet. It is early in his his career. Or maybe he does know, but if he did know, then he'd have to do something about it. That's bollocks, he knows. Yeah. Because he spends the night with Selina Kyle. Well, what do they, if they spend the night together, what do they do when the bat signal's on, or she wants to go steal something? Well, also, I want to know how kinky is Selena. Because Catwoman's all over the whips and the leather. Yeah. Is Selena into all of that? And does that not make Bruce go, Wait a minute, where, where have you got this Catwoman costume from? Uh, from, from the, the... Shut up, Bruce, let's just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought you this Batman suit. Put it on. <laughs> Bruce is like, this is a bit suspect. I think you could have the bit where it's like, ooh, this Batman costume is a bit crap, isn't it? Ooh, this seems all wrong. <laughs> Fortunately, I have my own. <laughs> wow. Oh, sex lives of Bruce Wayne. Uh, the opening pages with the coroner is shot. Were the coroner is shot, sorry, is another example of Sale's command of shadow and light. As with all the holiday murders, this plays out in black and white with one colour element here. The fireworks going off over the harbour in red. There were more pinkies than red. It's quite interesting. This is the only issue to start off with a killing. Yeah, this is the only one, yeah. It's someone left field until... Yeah, well, ultimately this ends up being a big clue, doesn't it? Yeah. That uh, the coroner has been killed. Uh, The fog over the bay, the beautiful buildings, the underside of the bridge the nearby buildings being all in black as the fireworks illuminate the background, that's an absolutely gorgeous piece of work Mm. not a single superhero on it just a a gorgeous landscape from uh, from Mr. Sam the Selina Kyle Bruce Wayne relationship is one of the most complex in comics and give Loeb all credit in the world few can tease out the sexual tension between the two of them like he can in the 80s they experimented with Selina be a bit of a partner for Batman but it, it never really takes she's better as a villain she's good though Yeah. and this scene with them on the balcony of Wayne Manor where she says you know why don't we leave Gotham 
and then the bat signal shines and you're like he's never going to leave Gotham the bat signal signs and then Bruce has to make um, make a feeble excuse for leaving ooh bad belly ache <laughs> oh I'm going to have to go now um, this also really cuts to the heart of Bruce's daddy issues Wayne Manor isn't home throughout mm. this entire series he refers to it as my father's house yeah his home's the cave which is you know psychologically yeah I'm sure somebody could have a field there with that but you know whatever uh, Sale has drawn a number of subtle panels that foreshadow Harvey Dent's ultimate fate two of the best are in this issue when Dent asks Batman if he remembers the deal they all made the panel is small and the left-hand side of his face is darker as he flips the coin, which we're seeing the two-faced side of his personality. After Batman asks him if he remembers the deal, Sale cuts the right-hand side in the light with no coin. Yeah, and in that panel then, where he's, his left-hand side is completely covered in shadow, Yeah, which is his two-faced side. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, He does some really good stuff with two-faced. Like that, yeah. using the shade into to depict what to foreshadow what's going to happen. Uh, Sophia and Sal Maroni are in a relationship, which is one of the few things in this story I honestly didn't see coming. Yeah, I, that was a genuine surprise. Snogging through the jail bars is a bit much, but and her face going green in that middle panel. Yeah, yeah. What's that all about? No idea. Because her hand goes green as well. Yeah. Ooh, colouring flub. It's very unusual for this. I mean, she, it can't be. She does look like she's just come back from a night out, though. It looks like the lighting in his cell is green. But then his face isn't the same colour. Yeah, that's true. That's an unusual colouring choice. I'm not going to say it's a mistake, because it's clearly deliberate. But, yeah. Given how good the colouring has been in the rest of this series, that, that does stand out. Um, the not-world's greatest detective deduces that all the killings were at close range and that the victims must therefore know the killer. This isn't strictly true. Yeah. Certainly the single killings can follow this pattern, but all of Maroney's men being blown up outside the, the restaurant, I'm pretty sure they didn't know the killer. Also, it's not quite that helpful. The victims knew the killer. Well, okay. it's not like they can testify. <laughs> that still doesn't help us identify who the killer is. Yeah. But, uh, alright, I suppose it narrows it down a bit. <laughs> oh, okay, thanks, Batman. I suppose most people know who kills them, but they can't tell you. Yeah, most of the times they do, don't they? Yeah. A lot of the times they know who the killer is. Uh, again, Catwoman's doing more actual investigation here than Batman or Commissioner Garden. Is this a Catwoman story? <laughs> oh, it know. probably would have been better. Um, I do think Gordon's a bit dense here, thinking that amount of fireworks being let out over that wide... An area of the city was just a bunch of kids. Yeah. Because it's, oh, it's just kids, Batman. Don't worry about it. And Batman's <laughs> like, well, all the fireworks are finished for the night. Should we not be concerned about this? Nah! Kids! I can't, I can't believe that they're using fireworks are finished for the night as a plot point. Fireworks, fireworks don't, don't finish! finish. <laughs> no, they don't, do they? No. On bonfire night, they're going off well into two, three, four o'clock yeah. in the morning. There's not a set time for everyone to have their fireworks displayed. So, you know, there's a lot of crime. So July 4th, yeah. I would imagine, is even worse. So there's a lot of crime in Gotham, but at least we know they've got a strict curfew on fireworks. <laughs> that everyone obeys. Because <laughs> yeah. if what Gotham's famous for one thing, it's everyone obeying the law. Yeah. It's bollocks, isn't it? We've got Chinese New Year in uh, Gotham. It's so boring. <laughs> uh, Batman enjoys breaking the Scarecrow's ribs. Which I thought was a bit thuggish. Mm. Uh, I actually prefer a Batman who uses restraint, the detective, 
but a man who can get down and dirty when he absolutely has to. Well, surely he's got to enjoy hitting some people. Well, yeah, but there's a there's a fine line between Batman being a thug who only uses his fists. Yeah, and that's not Batman. Oh, it's not my Batman anyway. I'm, I'm, it's Christopher Nolan's Batman, driven yeah. by the Dark Knight movie. Another diversion this time, wrapping up the loose ends left by the Mad Hatter and Scarecrow. You know, at least Catwoman seems to be working on the the holiday murders for her own gain, naturally. But ten issues in, and the world's greatest detective is no closer to solving who this is. Mm. That's all incidental to an issue that's about getting away from the corruption of Gotham before it corrupts you yeah. irrevocably. Selina asks Bruce what would it take to get him to leave, the same maybe said of her, and Gordon, and Dent, their wives, and everyone else in the city. Loeb does a good job of mirroring the opening scene with Bruce and Selina, with Batman and Catwoman at the end, although if neither know the other's secret identity at this point, they aren't as good at this as they think they are. Mm. And there's a bit, though, where Selina's grabbing his, his cape at just the level where it looks like she's grabbing his something else. Yep. Stirring in his utility belt. Yep. At that point, I think. Uh, what happens in this one? Um, Batman punches some people. <laughs> yeah, okay. Moving on. Um, Loeb realised that maybe the killer's a bit too obvious, so let's throw in this... Let's uh, throw in some red herrings. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Uh, chapter 11 is Roman Holiday. Clever. Mm. I don't think it's an actual holiday, but whatever. <laughs> uh, a cake is decorated with the figures of Batman, Gordon, and Dent, uh, evoking dreadful birthday dear Joker. Right. I thought, if you remember that one from when we covered it many, many moons ago. You don't, do you? No. Best one ever. One of the best Batman stories ever. Len Wein, Walt Simonson, you don't remember it. Is it the one with, with the, the cliff face and the Joker? No, face? that's uh, Joker's Wild. Right, okay. Oh no, it's Joker's Last Laugh, actually. Joker's Wild, the one in South America. Yeah. Dreadful birthday, dear Joker, he ties them all to the cake. Kidnaps Robin, kidnaps Batman, ties them all to a fake cake. Right, okay. ba- no, not Batman, Commissioner Gordon, Batman has to rescue him. Right, okay. Yeah, it was in the greatest Batman stories ever I'm told, sure dude. It, I'm sure it is. Get it read again. We've covered a lot of Batman stories. We, we have. We are many, many times a Batman podcast. Yeah. We've made pretty little graphs. Yeah. Do you think the Batman column... Would be substantially quite, higher than everybody else. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Okay. Gilda discovers a twenty-two pistol in Harvey's basement and confronts Harvey with it. This is the Holiday's killer weapon. Harvey tells Gilda it's evidence. He brings evidence home all the time. Gilda thinks that's a bit odd, which it is. The Batman has finally gone around to speaking to the Riddler and asking why Holiday didn't kill him on April Fool's Day. It is now August second. The Batman figures that the only reason the Riddler is still alive is the Roman wanted the Riddler to tell the world he was looking for holiday. As good an explanation as any, I suppose. In prison, Salmeroni prepares for his court date to testify against the Roman. The Roman has other problems. Carla has just discovered he hired Ivy, Hatter and the Scarecrow. As Maroni approaches court, Vernon gives him something that, allegedly, Harvey wanted him to have for his ulcer. Maroni dishes all the dirt, but during a coughing fit, prepares to take a dose of his ulcer medicine. Bruce, in disguise in the audience, moves. Something's wrong. Too late. Maroni hurls the contents of his ulcer medicine into Dent's face. No one in the room will ever forget the screams. Harvey escapes from the hospital after stabbing the orderly and in the coroner's office Carla Vitti's own investigations end at the barrel of a gun so this opening scene yeah where Gilda finds finds the murder weapon yeah the 22 yes 
gone yeah. in Harvey Dent's basement yeah. to 22. Yes. Yeah, I see what you're doing. You and get Harvey Dent is, like, ignorant. Like, he's, he's a wife beater away from being a borderline abusive to his wife. Yeah, who's tiny. Let's just point that out again. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not him. Is it not? With with the twen- the murder weapon, the twenty two, two vases twenty two. Well isn't that isn't that the reason that Gilda gives for figuring out that Harvey is uh yeah, holiday. she sees the gun she and is like sees the gun. But then why doesn't she say here, Harvey, oh you you you're following what I started. Why doesn't she say anything here? Why doesn't she say, Look, I know you're the holiday killer, I'm the holiday killer, let's just go away and have kids. Exactly. Let's go and have a crazy little children but together. In, instead she's she's victim wife of the suspect who isn't actually the victim who isn't actually the suspect well you've also got the scene there um she he says I'm the district attorney I bring evidence home all the time if she knows exactly what's going on here why does she wait for him to leave before she says all the time yeah. why does she continue the act After when there is gone. no one around yeah. to see the act unless she really is crazy Oh, I think she's incredibly crazy. I think Gilda Dent is madder than Two Face ever was. Yeah, but is that's Harvey's fault, really, isn't it? Oh yeah, and you can quite clearly trace the decline of the mental state and marriage throughout the entire story. Yeah, or oh, Harvey has caused this. Yeah, but she's just as insane as he is. Mm. Uh, the barroom scene makes a huge deal out of Batman coming out in the day. That makes no sense. Yeah. Because it looks like it's night. Yeah, the bar's in a low light. Yeah. There's clearly mist around. I mean, it may be people smoking. But isn't the implication that he's on this bar's on the docks? Mm. So the mist is coming in off the water. And it's smoky inside. We never get a clear shot of the outside. So what does it matter that he's there in the day? Yeah. How is it in any way important? The scene could take place at night or day and makes no difference. It's here solely... So Jeff Loeb can steal a beat from Batman Year One okay. about um, the costume not working in the daytime. Well, is it not only that, but it's to show, exaggerate how important he is he speaks to Riddler? What, after five months? Yeah. Oh, dead important. That's real high on his list of things to do, isn't it? Speak to Riddler. It's right there on the list under pick up laundry, well, let's go shopping, it. buy milk. If it takes so long to do things that are apparently important that really aren't important, it must take about the same time to do things that aren't important, but, yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, so that's just, you know, a bit silly. Carla confronts Carmine Falcone about hiring Ivy, Hatter and Scarecrow, but it doesn't go anywhere. Carla's dead by the end of the issue. So yeah. the only other suspect, the girl that uh, Calendar Man keeps mentioning, is dead. Yeah. So, ooh, well, they've killed Alberto, <laughs> and now they've killed Carla, so who does that leave us to be the holiday killer? <laughs> I definitely wonder. not the Riddler. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely not the Riddler. Um, the best part of this issue by far is the courtroom yes. scene, where Gordon frisks Moroni before he takes to the stand. There's a brilliant moment where Moroni asks Gordon if he doesn't trust him, and Gordon waits till he's out of earshot before he says, no. Mm. which is lovely. And then Vernon gives Moroni medicine for his ulcer. Not a single cop thinks to check or say no. I suppose. Are which, they being paid off? Well, that's, that's the only thing I could think of that no prize this, other than these cops are all dumb as posts, yeah. is that they have all been bought. Either works, they're dumb as pig 
the they've been bought off. Mm. Either explanation works. The shot of the courtroom double page spread is absolutely magnificent and really shows off sales skill in that everybody in the room has a different look, a different face, different body language, different ethnicity, different gender. It's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely stunning piece of work. It dawns on me that all of the magnificent art sales produced for this series, all the stuff that we've we've brought to attention as being just brilliant, is normal, everyday stuff. Yeah. This is the stuff that's really caught my eye, other than the superheroics. Note as well, the big guy in the in the back with the woolly cap and the dark glasses. Mm. Again, uh, the same costume that he wore in Batman Year One. Right, okay. When he was he was going out undercover. I don't know that it's Matches Malone yet. It's no, that's not Matches. It may be maybe a version of Matches, an early version of Matches Malone. It's very possibly. Isn't there someone playing Matches Malone in Gotham? Uh, I don't know actually, because I don't watch Gotham. Yeah. But Matches Malone was a real person, and Batman inherits his identity, doesn't he? Right, okay. Bruce take his identity at some point and pretend to be him. Yeah, I'm vaguely remembering that story from the the seventies. You know what would be cool? What? Right, um, Two-Face yes. defends himself in court against Matt Murdock, who's defending the victim. Because Matt Murdock also lives two lives. Yeah, yeah. and it all takes place... In That's actually a better crossover idea. And then outside the court... Do you know, Bendis would actually kill on that. Yeah, and then outside the court, it's Daredevil taking down Two-Face's crime. Yeah. Because an actual courtroom drama, that he excels at that kind of thing. Yeah. Matt Murdock and Harvey Dent in the courtroom. That would actually work. That would be really good. And you wouldn't mind that one being a talking heads issue. Exactly, because that's what it is. Because that's it, because it's a courtroom drama, yeah. Uh, the Harvey Dent gets scarred scene, which we've been building up to for, what, ten issues now? Eleven mm-hmm. issues now? There's something inherently tragic about this scene that never fails to get to you. It, the way it plays against the um, Roman and his birthday wish as well. Yeah, his exceptional piece of cross-cutting. Um, Falcone celebrating his birthday, snuffing out the candles. Just as Harvey... Just as Harvey takes the... The, the acid to the face. Um, it's great. Mm. It's, the, the, the Harvey getting turned into Two-Face never gets old, and it's brilliantly done. Yeah. And Sale does a masterful job of pacing My it out. The problem with it is it's just thrown out the window so quickly. He gets the acid thrown in his face, and then in the next page, he's turned into Two-Face and escaped from the hospital. Yeah. It is It is quite quick, yeah. given how slow some of the other stuff's been. They could have they could have given us a bit more space for that. I did like this a nice nod to the past that Sal Maroney has always been the one to throw acid in Harvey's face. Mm. All the way from the 1940s. Well, it's the Tony Zuko and Joe yeah. Kill thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's because Tony Zuko's in Dark Victory, mm. which is essentially Robin's story. I remembered it being Robin's story. It's not really that at all. Um, the annual, I keep mentioning as well. That's, that's Maroney as well. Uh, despite the second half of this issue being unbearably tense... This is largely due to the fall of Harvey Dent, a significant moment in Batman lore that has been revisited many times. It succeeds here, largely due to sales pacing and exquisite artwork rather than anything done with the story. Let's be honest, though, we don't really want Loeb to change anything Mm. in Harvey's origin, as it's one of the most tragic and effective in Bat lore. Is it as tragic as... In this, since we've already seen Harvey's fall from grace, well, it depends what you're going for because they still managed to pull it off. Yeah, in Batman the Animated Series, he's not entirely the victim in this. 
No, because he's already murdering people. Yeah. Whereas in the animated series, he's not crossed that line yet. Mm. But yeah, you're right. He has already become a murderer. He's already become Two-Face before the scarring happens. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I suppose you're right, though. He's he's essentially two-personality, and then he becomes Two-Face. Which he's stolen from the animated series. Mm. Which is what he did in the animated show. With the death of Carla... Yes. We now have no firm clue as to Holiday's identity. I mean, it could still possibly be Harvey. Well, for the first time, we actually get a look at the killer there. Yeah, we do. Uh, and it could still be Harvey, because he's just escaped from, from... That's the reason he escapes quickly. Yeah. So we can still think that it's Harvey Dent at the end of this issue. Because, you know, it is Harvey Dent until the next issue. Chapter 12 is Labour Day. The cover is Harvey covering half of his face in a broken mirror. With a bat frame. With a bat frame, yeah. Dent has been on the run for a month. In the sewers, he finds Solomon Grundy. A nice call back to earlier and wonders whether a man can live two lives. On the rooftop where they made their deal, Gordon tells Batman the evidence is damning. Harvey Dent is Holiday. He accuses Batman of knowing, but Batman tells him he won't believe that this is the case. Gordon accuses him of being too close and tells him to find Harvey Dent. The Batman visits Falcone and asks him where Dent is. Falcone also believes Harvey is Holiday and tells the Batman that the police let this happen. They knew Harvey was Holiday and didn't care because it was his family that was getting killed. Batman, showing the admirable restraint he's famous for, tosses Falcone across a room. As he leaves, he spots Catwoman and wonders why she's there whenever he confronts the Roman. Maybe, Catwoman says, it's because the Roman treats the world like a ball of yarn that needs unravelling. Maybe it's that wherever the Roman is, the Batman is. Or maybe it's just none of his damn business. With that, she takes her leave. The Batman's next stop is Gilded Dent. He is in the basement and he informs Gilda that there is evidence that the serial numbers were filed off the weapons in here. She's of no real help though, so he returns to the calendar man. He tells Batman it's Labor Day and Holiday, whoever she or he is, still eludes the police. However, they have something Holiday wants. That something is a someone, Sal Maroney. The Batman gets word to Gordon and Gordon has Maroney moved. During the transition, the police escort is attacked, Sal takes two in the head and the police guard takes one to the chest. Gordon stumbles and picks up a torch. In the harsh light, he sees a man aiming a gun at him. Alberto Falcone is Holiday. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, nice opening, tying Solomon Grundy into the story and making his early appearance not feel like filler. His constant repeating of the Solomon Grundy verse gives Harvey pause. Can a man be reborn with a second life? Mm. So what's Harvey been eating for a month living down in the sewer? Rats? Has he been living in the sewer or is he just... Has he only just got into the sewer? I don't know. He could have been. But where has he been otherwise if he's been on the run for a month? And he's not taking his bandages off. Or his suit. Yeah. So he probably smells a bit. Maybe that's why he's in the sewer, so he doesn't notice. That could be. Yeah. Very real possibility, I suppose. Uh, Batman finally does some investigative work, systematically tracking down potential holiday candidates and looking at clues, which is nice and about time. Mm. But then he hits a dead end and runs straight off to Calendar Man again. So yeah. basically, Batman's detective technique in this story is basically to go to other people, the Riddler, <laughs> Calendar Man, and get them to do the work for him. Yeah. That's pretty much what he does, isn't it? Yeah. Throughout most of this story. And Gordon says, 
you know, accuses Batman of ba- accuses Batman of knowing that Harvey Dent was Holiday all along. Yeah. When and and Batman doesn't answer as though, yeah, I knew. I just didn't want to know. Which is BS because he didn't know anything no. at all at any point. No, Batman's Batman's just followed this. Batman's been led by the nose throughout this entire story. Yeah, he's not figured anything out. Unless well, that's why he doesn't say anything because he doesn't want to say. Well, actually, Jim, <laughs> in my defence, I didn't know anything. Yeah, in my defence, I'm a bit thick. <laughs> didn't actually figure this out. Uh, Carmine, the Roman Falcone, the city's untouchable crime boss, uh-huh. gets another hurry. Uh, is 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 getting really tiresome, but we get that it's irony. Yeah, Jeff, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> uh, he accuses the cops and Batman of letting this happen because they don't care what happens to crime boss's family. And I know my heart bled. Yeah, for him, given <laughs> given all the people that he's probably killed, like all whiners, he doesn't believe this is in any way the result of his own actions. Mm. What a whiner! Or he'll die, Carmine. You bug him in here. Uh, what is Catwoman up to? Question that will not be answered till Dark Horizon. Right. Dark Victory. <laughs> well, I keep calling it Dark Horizon. No I've got no idea either. Batman Event Horizon. Yeah, okay. Um, how the hell did Holiday get into police headquarters? Because he's, he's the district attorney and knows how to get in. I, I mean, no. <laughs> but he's not by this point. He's definitely Alberto in this one. We actually see his face in this one. Exactly. Up until that last page... It's Harvey Dent. I thought they sloppy police, unless they've let him get in. Yeah, but to if, catch him. To catch him. But if that's the case, they've just let that guy get shot. I mean, I know he's a crime boss. Collateral. Nobody's going to weep for him. Yeah. But at the same time, Gordon's by the book. Although he did say you can bend the rules. So if he didn't... <laughs> so getting Maroney shot is bending the rules, is it? Yeah, if he didn't <laughs> shoot Maroney, but if Maroney were to be shot as fate... <laughs> That's just unfortunate. Exactly. All right. exactly. Fair enough. Am I or the only one who thought this was a massive cheat? Yeah, well, no, you're not. Killing off your killer back on New Year's Eve means that the reader and Batman... Never had a chance to work out who Holiday Imagine was. Imagine reading this on a monthly basis. You've just read the last. You've just turned over that page and you've gone, "What? Who's he?" <laughs> yeah, you, you probably. Yeah, you probably have. It breaks every single tenet of creating a good murder mystery, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's the killer can be as obvious or as obtuse as the writer wants it to be. Mm. But when you go back and reread it. The reader should be able to see clues and evidence that they may have missed first time round yeah. that makes them go, ooh, and there are no such clues in this story. Which is why reading this, I remember it being Harvey Dent. Yeah, and so every single clue points to it being it Harvey Dent. It worked perfectly, yeah. It's very disappointing it when really, it becomes Alberta. Especially when this last chapter as well is the weakest of the lot. By far, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, okay, so let's let's cover it. Um, chapter 13 is called Punishment. A Rotten Pumpkin is the cover. Nice parallel to, to issue one. Along, yeah. yeah, it's now just rotted and being eaten by worms. The police guard is Batman, who rises and punches the living shit out of Alberta. When arrested, Alberto confesses to it all, from faking his own death to the killings, everything. And he did it all because Daddy was always too busy for him. At Arkham, Harvey frees everyone except Calendar Man and they take a trip to see Falcone. Before Two-Face and his motley crew of the Joker, Solomon Grundy, Scarecrow, the Mad Hatter, Catwoman, the Penguin and Poison Ivy... The Penguin? Where did he come from? ...can move a gas grenade is hurled in through the window. It's 
the Batman. He systematically takes out all of his opponents, although he still doesn't know whose side Catwoman is on. Obviously the same side she's always on. Dent grabs Falcone, tosses his coin and puts two in Falcone's head. Sophia, enraged, moves in on Two-Face, but Catwoman stops her. Sophia's weight drags Catwoman over to the window, and whilst both fall, only Catwoman survives. Until that victory. Two-Face escapes and kills Vernon before handing himself into Batman and Gorm. Both men wonder if the good guys really won. At the Dent house, Gilda Dent burns all of her holiday collectibles. She doesn't need them anymore. It turns out that Gilda was the holiday killer for the first three murders. Then Harvey tried to kill Alberto for some reason and failed. And then Alberto decided to stay dead and killed everybody else. At last, Gilda and Harvey know peace. She believes in Harvey Dent. What? thing we need to address, Batman and Gordon are terrible at their jobs. Yeah. They knew Holiday would hit Moroni. Yeah. Arguably, they were counting on it. And the only reason that you and I can actually come up for Alberto be able to get into police headquarters is they let him in yeah. so that they could catch him, right? Yeah. He still manages to put two in Moroni's head. I still think it's uh, two birds, one stone. <laughs> I'm beginning to think you're absolutely right. <laughs> like, I think mean, Batman's had a cheeky word with him and said, look, I know you're a by-the-book kind of guy, but if we let him in... It's not our fault he got we shot. We didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Capiche? We're using him as bait. Collateral <laughs> damage. Yeah. Crime lord. And then Batman lets himself get shot in the chest. It's to further <laughs> reinforce the ruse. <laughs> Is that what it is? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Alberto Falcone being holiday is just a huge... So what? Isn't it? it yeah, it really it is. Because you've forgotten who he is. Yeah. It's, it's If you're not reading it as a, as a whole. It's crap of the highest order. It's utter pants. It's a terrible reveal, isn't it? It's, it's not a reveal, it's... It's a head-scratcher of a who let this get published. <laughs> I, I don't know. No one, no one in DC said, look, look, Jeff, I, I, know, I, I know you've got this all planned out and all well, but just change the ending, please. <laughs> make the ending make more sense. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll get Mr. Dixon on the bus. <laughs> Chuck Dixon would have killed on this, <laughs> I actually think. Uh, Thug Batman shows up again, which explains a lot about Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy if this boot was the main inspiration. Here, Batman beats quite heavily on a man half his size and weight to a point where Gordon has to physically stop him from continuing. You could argue that the frustration of a year-long crime is... is Alright, if that's the case, this is very unhinged. Batman and Gordon wouldn't support him. That's just suppose. Loeb would argue, like you just did, that this is a Batman early in his career. I would argue, earlier in his career or not, Batman would know not to beat someday that he's already in custody, half to death. Earlier in his career, he'd be less likely to do this. I think so. I think you're right. I mean, it'd only be in, you know, later on when he's seen some stuff that yeah. he would be anywhere near. Well, if, well, look at it from the other point of view, then, because this is a fascinating look at how we treat violence in society. Right. right. Let's compare Holiday to, like, any Arnold Schwarzenegger character from his 90s movies, or James Bond. 
both men kill. Yeah. Bond, it's his job. He gets paid to do it. That's true. He's a paid killer. Yet they only kill bad guys. Yeah. So they're the hero of the story, right? Who's Holiday killing? The bad guys. Yeah. So who's the hero of this story? Holiday's only killing bad men. I mean, Falcone actually said it in the last issue. You didn't care because he was only killing my family. Yeah. But he, let's stretch that further. Other than Carla, mm-hmm. he wasn't killing the family. He was killing mobsters. Yes. I can, I can well imagine there are newspapers... That are rooting for... And politicians that are on his side. Yeah. But then you've got your two wrongs, still murder. Yeah, so, but ultimately that makes what Batman does here at the end even worse. Yeah. If Batman's the hero of the piece, what makes him any better here than Alberto is? Because three wrongs certainly don't make it right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... It's, this it's does this play not, into Dark Victory. I was just going to say, is yeah. this not just so that a further plot point can happen? It could which very well be. Is also BS. Because they are setting, they're clearly setting up here that he was mistreated in police custody. Yeah. That, and before I reread Dark Victory, that's what I thought about this ending. Because it felt so out of character to me that Batman would beat up this really skinny guy to such a point that he almost dies. See, I, I don't... The way a lot of people treat Batman nowadays, I was... This was just... I, I accepted this happening. Uh, see, I never accept that Batman would go this far. Yeah. Because I grew up with Knight of the Stalker. I suppose. I mean, one of the one of the video games ended pretty much exactly the same way. Yeah, but there's a difference between a video game and a comic book story. A video game, you have to be visceral and action-led. Not when the Joker's begging, please stop, please stop, and yet you're still prompted to press square. Hmm. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Batman as thug. Yeah. It's, it's permeated popular culture. All right. That's, that's essentially what it is now. It's everyone just accepts Batman as a beat the shit out of everyone. Yeah, he doesn't actually use his brains for anything. Yeah. Because why should he? Yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um. Gordon actually says he actually has this line of dialogue. All the clues were there. Why couldn't we stop him? I'm going to argue that all the clues were there. <laughs> Only the coroner doesn't fit the pattern of hitting the Falcone family. Even if if you left in the coroner being killed, I could still accept that everyone would overlook it. Yeah. You know, there's always like a, a one, at least one minor inconsistency in a whodunit. Hmm. And if it's still Harvey Dent at the end of it, and they still kept the coroner in, I'm fine with that. You could always establish that he, he kills the coroner and could later kill the coroner to maybe Harvey fakes his That's own how death. he escapes on the way to the yeah, hospital after possibly. his face burning. Yeah, uh, yeah you, could, you could get around it. Um, we're not given any indication Carla was following up her own investigation. Yeah. We don't know she was closing in on the killer, so where did that come from? So as far as we were led to believe, her death was just another Falcone family murder. Mm. I mean, the clue is where her death took place. I presume. But it's the the people that Alberto is killing leads to him. Mm. So he's not very intelligent either. But on the plus side, Gilder and Harvey got away with it, so... Yeah, yeah. Right, fair enough. Um, no one wanted to believe. Yeah, and I've actually got the note here before we get to that <laughs> victory. Batman does a number on Alberto, his lawyer will get him off due to that, which yeah. is exactly what happens in the sequel. So that was a bit foreshadowing, wasn't it? Harvey let everyone out of Arkham except Calendar Man. Mm. Because Calendar Man knows who the holiday killer really is. Yeah. 
something that Batman and Commissioner Gordon never figure out. It is a serial killer slasher movie, isn't it? Yeah. The, the guy at the end is still out there. Michael Myers is still out there. Hmm. In this case, Harvey Dent is still out there. Uh, why is Catwoman suddenly thrown in with Harvey's gang? And why is Penguin here? Um, <laughs> the Penguin has not been in this story at all. What's he doing there? So that Tim Sale could draw him? I, I genuinely think that they were going to reveal it was the Penguin because of the umbrella with the Riddler. <laughs> it was the Penguin all along. Unless that was a pin-up from one of the Halloween stories. Well, and they just wanted to include it. And they just thought, reuse it, yeah? Yeah. It's got an explanation, as then. Uh, when Batman enters the Roman study to attack the villains, he tosses out a gas grenade. Tim Sale then goes into grayscale with a wash effect for the next few uh, pages. It's great, the bit it's where... fantastic. go out the window as well. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So these two pages that take place in the gas... Yeah. Absolutely brilliant wash tones. Especially that Batman, though. Yeah. That's a very Todd McFarlane Batman. Or mm. Greg Capullo, if you want to go down that route. And then, yeah, as soon as they go out the window, colour comes back. Yeah, you know, the gas is going out the window. We have the um, repeated motif here with the uh, with Falcone being killed. Yeah. You have your six-panel grid and then a full page. Then a full page of uh, the guy being killed by the holiday killer. Yeah, because of how... Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because of how many times Falcone's been used again and again after this, Mm -hmm. I was honestly quite surprised that they killed him off. Yeah. Well, he stays dead in Dark Victory. Although, well, Two-Face has his body. Yeah. In Carbonite. Right. In Dark Victory. But you'll see that when we cover that in the next couple of weeks. Um, Batman further demonstrates his uselessness. He completely fails to save Falcone. Yeah. Totally and utterly. He completely fails to save Sophia. As far as he knows, she yeah. turns up alive in, in Dark Victor. How? I really want to know from that height. Uh, well, it is kind of explained a little bit. Right. Almost. Yeah. Not very satisfactorily, but it is kind of explained when we get to Dark Victor. Batman then gets to Vernon. You just thought we'd forgot about Vernon. <laughs> and Harvey's put two in the back of his head as well. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely a Frank Miller Batman, though. Yes, that's very definitely a Frank Miller Batman. But, all right, well, let's look at Batman's success rate in this, one of the most lauded stories in uh, in Batman publishing history. Right, okay. He never once figures out who Holiday is, or even comes close to it. Well, okay, before we get there... Yeah. He's provided with the evidence as to who he's it is. He's provided with all the clues. Refuses to believe... Exact amount. ...who it is, yeah. because of personal feelings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so does point still stands then? He never figures out who it is, despite the mountain of evidence that yeah. Gordon tries to push his way. He doesn't see, therefore, that the enemy is right under his nose, mm. because he refuses to see it, like you say, allowing Harvey Dent to become Two-Face, because Batman can't accept that Harvey Dent has become Two-Face, and that he may be a tad unhinged. He never even figures out what Catwoman's up to, and by extension, neither do we. That's true, yeah. But that is revealed in Dark Victory as well. So I can only assume this is 13 issues setting up a 13-issue sequel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe halfway through, Loeb said, hmm, wait a minute. Maybe I can milk this out into a sequel. Maybe I can milk this out for more, yeah. And, but the best thing is it's Harvey that has to point out to Batman that there's two holiday killers. 
something that in hindsight and in about the only real clue in the book so kudos to Loeb there Calendar Man pointed out to Batman every time they spoke yeah he always said he or she yeah so even if it isn't a he or she he's clearly pointing out oh, maybe there's two so to have he knows it was Gilda um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't think we because ever find out Because for Harvey to say, there's two of us... Oh, no, he's saying he killed... Yeah. He's killed somebody. Oh, Because he's we... just killed Carmine Falcone. Yeah, and though we have a panel that goes back to the first issue. Yeah. And they're on the roof. Where they're all on the roof talking together. So, again, there's lots of lovely parallel storytelling techniques yes. from, from Tim Sale. When they actually have this conversation here, though, I love Batman's rationale. Batman interprets this as Two-Face was a holiday killer as he killed Falcone on Hallowed at Ween. <laughs> and Harvey Dent killed the Roman with a twenty-two. In the end, Harvey Dent was holiday, as was Two-Face. <laughs> but Calendar Man spells it out for him every yeah. time they meet yeah. that the holiday killer is a man and a woman. I don't know how Calendar Man could have been any more obvious other than saying... Me, Batman. <laughs> it's a man and a woman. Yeah. I love his rationale. No, I'm not thick. <laughs> Harvey Dent and Two Face are two different people. And you're like, no, no, they're not. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Two Face. Uh, it appears he was killed by your old Padawan. Batman asks if the good guys won, and I've got to be honest with you, I don't know that they did. I mean, I wasn't entirely sure they were in the fight. <laughs> Clearly not. The Falcone and the Maronis were there. Catwoman was there. I don't recall Batman ever <laughs> being a piece on the board. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right, though. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a great crime noir yeah. story. It's not an entirely riveting It's Batman a brilliant one, crime noir story in which the central character is completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Falcone's gone. But we're just at the beginning of Batman's rogues arguably more of a terror threat to Gotham than Falcone ever was. Yeah. And is this taking place in and around year one, or just after year one? Where does everyone else come from? Where's Poison Ivy come from? Where's the Penguin come from? We get Two-Face's origin. The Joker is seeded at the end of year one, so that's fine. But where's all these other... Where's the Scarecrow come from? The Mad Hatter? Calendar Man? Does this not exist in its own continuity? But it's trying so very desperately to dance around the raindrops of Batman Year One. Yeah, is it But it can't exist in Year One. Is it not using that, but with the characters that you know? No, no. Batman just had a really busy year. Of course, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, I kind of... I realise now why we stopped doing the show. Why? Because we take stories that we used to love and yes, cherish. Yes. And... And piss all over them. That they just don't hold up to any kind of light. No. No. I mean, the, the twist ending is bash. Gilda Dent was Which holiday. One? Well, so many twist endings, <laughs> it's a bloody corkscrew. <laughs> He says Gilda when he's in Arkham, so does he know that Gilda was doing it? See, when he said, oh, there was two of us, and Calendar Man says, it's a man and a woman... So is Two-Face talking about Harvey Dent and Two-Face, or is he talking about... Because if they both knew that each other... If they both knew 
that the other person was the killer, yeah. why didn't they just outright say, I know you're the killer? Let's stop doing this. Let's live a happy life. Why are we doing this? Because they're obviously a marriage that doesn't talk to each other. Let's go to Metropolis and try a baby. Or Central City. Or anywhere that's better than that. Alright, okay. According to the final pages, we've talked about this throughout the entire story, but Gilda killed Johnny Vitti. Yeah. When every single clue in the book points to it being Harvey. The Irish were killed by Gilda. The, the, when every single clue in the book points to it being Harvey. The, the Irish were killed by a crippled and hospitalised Gilda. Yes, yes, absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten about that. And then the bodyguard. Yeah. Then Harvey killed Alberto, but failed. So Harvey's a crap holiday killer. Yeah. Because he doesn't actually kill anyone until Carmine at the end. Yeah. Alberto survives... And then for a reason that he's never adequately explained other than his daddy issues, he takes over the killings. How did Gilda know that the other holidays wouldn't run into each other? What, what, you know, wouldn't it be funny if on July 4th, <laughs> Gilda, Harvey and Alberta well, this all dressed up <laughs> went to kill somebody? Oh, right, have you got this one then? <laughs> We got our calendars mixed so, up. Oh, should we should we create a router? <laughs> yeah, you do. You do the next one. I'll do the one after that. Yeah. How did that not happen? Although, like, so are they not planned to kill somebody on that holiday? And when he did, they just went okay. Oh, what were you? why is it a specific person? Have they all just gone for a different person? <laughs> what if they, yeah, what if the holiday killer on that particular holiday killed three different people? Exactly. Batman would have been screwed. It's, it's, no, it couldn't have been. Oh, how did he... Oh. <laughs> I think I'll go and punch something. Who's, who do I know who can fly fast enough? Oh. Superman. <laughs> and then we go to Metropolis for an issue just so Tim Sale can draw Superman. Oh, oh Gilded and all of this so dense caseload would like can you imagine the crazy kid they would have had let's be honest though like Harvey Dent is the oh. only person who actually succeeds it's the job he set out to do yeah he kills the Falcone crime family it took him 13 issues and a batch <laughs> twist ending but he, well, got he managed it yeah. Yeah, he's, he's more successful in this story than Batman is exactly <laughs> oh right so both Falcone sorry so both Calendar Man and Batman were correct. Yeah. Holiday was Harvey and a woman and a man, but nobody guesses that he was three people. Nobody. Even Calendar Man doesn't work that. I don't understand at all why Alberto confesses to all the murders. The, um, I mean, it's nice notoriety. Exactly. Bragging rights. But looking back on it, there are clues that it was Gilda more than it was Alberto. And yeah. there aren't many clues that it was Gilda. We're reading Dark Victory straight after this and he's gone from, it was me, it was all me, yeah. to, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty, I'm, oh, I regret Jail obviously didn't sit well with him. Uh, apparently. Especially as a bit of a limper. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah, so... Um, I'm honestly quite surprised that there wasn't a fourth killer. <laughs> just to confuse the hell out of everybody I mean there was no evidence pointing towards it but nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition <laughs> nobody expects a comic book story to make sense evidently um long Halloween is over often I'm referred kind of, to are you quite upset there yeah I'm kind of regretting doing that now actually often <laughs> referred to as one of the best Batman stories ever told 
often on the list of top 20 or even top 10 Batman stories ever. It was one of the main inspirations for Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. It's not quite as good as its reputation suggests. It was one of my top fives, and now I'm, I'm not uh, really sure. It's, it's horribly padded. Yeah. It paints Batman as a thug and an idiot. Tim Sale's art's magnificent, but the twist ending seems to be merely there to be a twist ending. It kind of makes a little bit of sense. More sense than Alberto being holiday. Yeah. Anywhere. But that, that I don't know where that came from. It's a breezy read, it's not too deep. It manages to maintain its noirish atmosphere throughout, largely due to Tim Sale, but Loeb does he does throw in some nice touches here and there. There are stories that show Batman in a better light. There are stories that show him as a better detective. It's a decent enough package for people who have only ever seen the movies. Yeah. But I, we did. We did a show, didn't we? Where we reamed off, what, ten stories each, ten Batman stories each that we thought were better than the top ten Batman stories that are always on a list. Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, well, this Killing was in mine. This. Was it? Yeah. Alright, oh, okay. I don't know that it was in mine. I don't remember. I think mine were all 70s ones. Well, up until now, I thought this was great. Yeah, and, um, you know, the overriding question at the end of this. Why was the Riddler left alive? Because he obviously wasn't Holiday. It obviously wasn't him. But, but alright, why would Harvey Dent, if Harvey Dent was killed at Holiday at that point, why would he leave the Riddler alive? The, he didn't have the con by then. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly going to go for April Fools. That's the, the Gilda. Why would she leave him alive? April Fools. Alberta. April Fools. That's honestly my only answer to any of those. And how many bullets does a 22 have? <laughs> Not that many. <laughs> Well, next time it's been it's been a while since we've been able to do that. Yes, yeah. it? We've got a next time an all new episode of Hey Kids Comics. Loeb and Sale reunited for Batman Dark Victory, which I am going to go up front and say he's better than this. Right. In my opinion, you know, I always pre- didn't like it as much as Long Halloween. Do you want to know why? Why? Because the paper stock's different in it. Yeah, I, that, I agree entirely with that. It's too we'll glossy. For, victory, and yeah. I always preferred Long Halloween just because of the paper. Yeah, you, you are right. The paper stock in the Dark Victory hardcover is nicer than the the Long Halloween. Sorry, is nicer than Dark Victory. Tell, see, the thing is, it, you don't want to be overly negative about it because I did actually enjoy it. Mm. And I did enjoy reading it, and I enjoyed immersing myself in Tim Sale's artwork. When you do things for this show, though, you kind of do have Yeah, to. well, you've got to write synopsises up. And you know what it is? When you're writing the synopsis, you're going, wait a minute, yeah. is that what really happened? <laughs> and then you go back and you go, yeah, that is what really <laughs> happened, but that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But when you're just reading it, and you're just letting it wash over you, and you're enjoying it, and you're, you're loving the artwork, and the whole story's quite expansive, it holds up very well. Yeah, because it's, it's a package, whereas us talking about it, it's just us talking about it. Yeah, but I don't know, see, it's a difficult one. See, you probably would still put it on a list of, of good ones, and you probably would still put it on a recommended list of Batman stories. Yeah, but it's not a great murder mystery. No. No, it isn't. It's, it's better than Hush. I think it's on a par with Hush. I'd say it's better. Alright, it's better than Hush. Jim Lee drags Hush down. Yeah. Not for the art, but because he had an influence on the story. Well, this week I want to draw Catwoman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this week I'm going to draw Poison Ivy. Alright. 
That's pretty much how it works. Oh, okay. Well, uh, like I said, we will be back at the end of February with Batman Dark Victory. Yep. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production and a Two True Freaks presentation. Episodes drop intermittently. It is hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All sound clips and music used in the show are for review purposes only, so don't sue us because we talk over them, so it's not like people can rip them off. Correspondence to the show can be sent to heykidscomics at virginmedia.com, which is the email address. <laughs>